welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. It's nice to see you all tonight. I like your hat, Crystal. It's very nice. It's very fancy. Uh, it's good to see you all. How are you, are you all good tonight? Everybody's, everybody's alive and well and thumbs up. Praise Jesus. Uh, before we jump into the message real quick, who, who participated in our prayer and fasting this week? Yeah, it was a great week. We had a great week praying and fasting. We took seven days. We started last Sunday we started and we, some of us met in the, we, some of us met here and some of us met at our headquarters and we went and walked around the streets of our city and prayed for our city and then Monday we prayed for our families and we prayed for our, we prayed for finances, we prayed for healing, we took something every day and prayed and today is our last day, we're done our fast, we're finished our fast now, and that's why it's such a great reason we're having hot dogs after. Is everybody ready for hot dogs? Pastor Adrian's ready for hot dogs. <laughs> She's not going to have a hot dog. Um, we're going to have hot dogs together, and we're just trying to get together and, and spend a few minutes all together. So we're having it between the services, like Jacob said, so that people from the 730 service can be here, and you can see those people as well, and we can all get together and have some hot dogs. But I want to pray, and I want to I close our fast down together. We just, we just finished this, and I just want to pray all together. Can we do that together? Yes? You're going to have to be audible tonight, just, just so you know. All right, Father, we thank you for this past week. God, we thank you for working in our lives. God, we thank you that as we pulled aside, as we removed things from our life and filled those places with more of you, more time in your presence, more of your word, more time in prayer, Father, we thank you that we saw you moving in our lives, in our scenarios, in our situations. God, we saw you moving in our families in our body, in our health, in our finances, Father. We saw you move again and again. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all you're doing. We thank you for what you continue to do. And we continually say, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. 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 Find a neighbor and say, amen. Oh, that was, that was a good amen. Does everybody have communion stuff? If you're planning on taking communion at the end, did you go get some communion stuff from the table? Remember I said you're going to have to be audible tonight. <laughs> yes. Praise the Lord. All right, open your Bibles with me. And um, right now you can just pick any page of your Bible to open it to you, and I will tell you where to go when we get a second. So you just open your Bible. Who's got a Bible tonight? raise them up. I know David has a Bible. Let me see that Bible. Oh, look at that beautiful black Bible. What, tra- what translation is that? NLT. Beautiful. Okay, open your Bibles. And um, we're going to continue tonight our series on like Jesus. And uh, 1 John chapter 2 verse 6 is our foundation verse for this scripture. It says that those who say they live in God should live their lives like Jesus did. And that's what we're talking about, living our lives like Jesus. Uh, I had a conversation recently, and somebody said something about living our lives like Jesus, and it kind of stuck, stuck, um, stuck, stuck in my heart, stuck in my mind. And, and I've just been thinking so much about living like Jesus, that it's what we need to do. 
It's what needs to be on our mind all the time. And if we were living our lives truly like Jesus, if everywhere you went and every conversation you participated in and and the thoughts that you allowed yourself to think, if all of those things in your life looked like things that Jesus would do, talk about, think about, ponder upon, allow in his heart, allow to make a home in his heart. If we were doing those things like Jesus, how different would our lives look? How different would our families look? How different would our relationships, how different would this city look? You know? You thought about that yet? You have? Good. Good, because I hope as we talk about this, you begin to think about, am I really living my life like Jesus? Am I becoming more and more like Jesus as we move along? So tonight, we're going to talk about a life surrendered. A life surrendered is what we're going to talk about. And um, I'm excited to talk about this with you. You know, if you look through the New Testament primarily, there is a lot of conversation, there's a lot of talk about uh, your life is not your own. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that, Cherokee? Then the New Testament talks about how your life is not your own. Jacob, your life is really not your own. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that you were bought with a price, and that price was Jesus going to the cross, and it says you were bought with a price, and so your life is not your own. You don't get to do necessarily everything you really want to do. If, if you live in God, if you say you're living your life in God, then really your life doesn't belong to you anymore. Apostle Paul made mention many times about, said things like when he began his letters, he would say things like, I'm a bondservant of Christ, a slave of Christ. Um, and it talks about those things, and what he's saying is, my life's not my own. I don't get to do everything that I want to do. I don't get to think about everything I want to think. I don't get to go everywhere I want to go. I don't get to act the way that I always want to act because I'm not in charge of my life. Now, that was like the Apostle Paul talked about that a lot, but what about Jesus? Did Jesus live a surrendered life? He absolutely did. Probably better than any person else that has ever walked the earth. And we're going to look at what that looks like tonight. So take your Bibles if you want. I'm going to tell a story from Luke chapter 7. And um, let's go there together. We're probably not going to read much of this, but maybe one verse out of it. Luke chapter 7 is the story of the Roman centurion who um, has a, a uh, servant who is sick and dying. This guy's a Roman, he's a Greek, and um, starting in verse 1, this story goes from verse 1 all the way down to verse 10, and I'm just going to tell this to you right now. We're not going to read through it together. I'm going to tell this to you. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 starts off, and it says there's a Roman centurion who had a servant who was really sick. The Bible says that this guy was very valuable to him. And so this, this soldier persuades some Jewish leaders to go find Jesus and encourage Jesus and beg and make petition that Jesus would come to this guy's house and heal his servant or, or his, yeah, technically a slave, but heal this guy so that he doesn't lose him. 
And so the Jewish leaders go off. They find Jesus. They say, hey, you need to come to this guy's house. His servant is very sick, and he needs you. And this guy's done such great things for our people. He's built us a temple to worship in. You need to come to this guy's house. So the Bible says that Jesus begins to go to the guy's house. The Bible says that on the way, the centurion, the soldier, sees that Jesus is coming, that he's on his way, that he's heading to this guy's house. And so now this soldier sends out some of his friends. He says, hey, go tell Jesus this. The guy's in his house, he says, go tell Jesus this. Go tell Jesus that he doesn't even need to come here. He says, just tell him, because I'm a man under authority. And I want, this is the verse I want to look at. In verse 8, what he says is, go tell Jesus, say from where you are. Tell this guy right from where he is to be healed. He says, just say the word from where you are, my servant will be healed. Verse 8 says, I know this. I know that you can say from wherever you're at, be healed, because I am a man under authority of my superior officers. Now, the New King James or the Amplified Version say these things. It says, the New King James says, I also, I too am a man under authority. And the Amplified says, I also am a man under authority. And it's showing us in this passage of Scripture that this guy, this soldier, who understood submission, who understood living a life surrendered, knew that Jesus also was a man submitted under somebody else because of the authority in his life. So many times we think that you don't want to surrender because if I surrender to somebody else, I lose the authority I have. Isn't that the way we think? It is. Thank you. If you surrender to somebody else, you're giving up your authority, you're giving up your power. But let me tell you this, in the kingdom of God, when you surrender your life to God, you're not giving up and losing anything. God begins to work in you and through you. And this man says, I also am a man under authority, and I recognize that if you say this will happen, I know it will happen. He says, because when I say to my servants, come, they come. When I tell them to go over there and do this, they go over there and do this. When I say jump, they say how high. The Bible says that Jesus was amazed, and he said, I haven't found such great faith anywhere else. And here's this Greek, this Roman centurion, who recognizes the authority that Jesus walks in because of his life that is surrendered to his Father. Living a life surrendered is hard. We live in a day and age where most things are about us how we feel, what we want to do, where we want to go, what my hopes and dreams are. A lot of things are about us. And so to come along and talk about, hey, we need to live our lives surrendered to Jesus. We need to live our lives like Jesus, surrendered to our Heavenly Father. That is going against the grain. That is counterculture to what the world teaches us. The world tells you, hey, do whatever you want. Be whoever you want to be, go wherever you want to go, spend whatever you want to spend, even if you don't have it, do whatever you want to do. You're your own boss. Nobody else can tell you anything else. You, you get to make the final say in your word, in your life. But we're talking about living your life surrendered to someone who is greater, to someone who created you, and who has plans and purposes for your life. Let's flip over to John chapter 5, and I want to show you two things quickly from this passage of Scripture. John chapter 5. Are you with me? 
Well, at least I got three people with me. John chapter 5. We're jumping in at verse 19, and this is about halfway through chapter 5. And what's, what's happened previously is that there was a pool in Jerusalem, and it was called, um, it was at Simon's porch or portico or the temple, Solomon's, not Simon, sorry, Solomon's temple. And um, what would happen was an angel would come down and stir the water, and whoever got in the water first would be healed. So what was happening was all these people were hanging around that had sicknesses and ailments and things going on in their life and they needed to be healed. They would hang around this pool of water waiting for the angel to stir it up. And then as soon as they could, the first one in would get healed. And so Jesus happens to be walking by and he sees a guy beside the water who is not healed and he's, he's something's wrong with him. The Bible says he's been sick for 38 years. And Jesus stops and he says to this guy, hey, do you want to do you, do you be healed? Do you want to be set free? And the guy says, yeah, I do, but... I don't have anybody to help me get into the water. So somebody stirs the water, and the angel stirs the water, and then everybody else gets there before me, and I just, I can't do it. And Jesus says, well, take up your mat. Just looks at him and says, get, get up, basically. Get up. Pick up your mat. You're healed. Get up. Let's go. And the guy jumps up, and he's healed. And he's, he's walking around, and the Jewish leaders get mad because it's the Sabbath. And you're not, they're mad at him because he's carrying his mat on the Sabbath. And they're like, you can't carry that mat. And he says, well, the this guy just told me to get up. I was lame. I couldn't walk. And this guy just told me to get up and take my mat. And so I did it. And now I'm healed and I'm walking around and I had to take my mat with me. What was I supposed to do? And so they're like, well, who said this? And they find out it's Jesus. And so they go and they're yelling at Jesus. They're fussing at him. And in verse 19, Jesus says this sentence. He says, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does... The son also does. Can we read that again? Let's read that one more time. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only. Everybody say only. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus isn't working and he isn't doing anything other than what he sees his Father in heaven doing. This is a life surrender. He's not off doing his own plans and his own purposes and, hey, I'm out of heaven now and I can do whatever I want. Dad's up there. I got the car keys and I can go wherever I want. He's not going to know. No, the Bible says that Jesus only did what he saw his Father do. Now let's go look at John chapter 12. It's only a couple pages over. This is John chapter 12. And we're going to look in verse 49. Jesus is on his way to what we call the Last Supper. And he's entered Jerusalem. And, and it's when he rode the donkey in. And, and um, people are mad at him again. The Jews are mad at him again. And they're, they're fussing at him because of things that he said. And in verse 49, Jesus makes this statement. He says, now I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So we just saw two scriptures where, number one, Jesus doesn't do what he wants to do. He does only what he sees the Father do. And now we see Jesus saying, I don't talk on my own authority. I only say what my Father has commanded me to say, and I only say it how he has told me to say it. We're talking about Jesus 
who lived his life surrendered to his father. This is Jesus, who is the son of God, who left heaven and came down to earth and walked around in humanity and was one of us and also one, he was God at the same time. But the Bible says that he submitted himself to his father and he only says and he only does what he sees the father doing. How interesting how we see Jesus, who is also God, Submitting and surrendering his life to his father and only doing and saying what God says you can say and do. Yet here we are living our life freestyle, doing whatever we want whenever we want it. Don't you think that's interesting? Don't you think if anybody should have been able to like, well, listen, we know that he's God and so he's going to do what God wants to do. And so he should be able to do whatever he wants. But he's like, no, I don't do. I only do what I see my father doing. And I only talk about, and I only say the things that my father has told me to say, and I only say them the way that he's told me to say them. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Is your life surrendered? Do you live a surrendered life to God? Like, I mean, like, in everything. Like, do you surrender your finances? Do you surrender your emotions? Do you surrender your thought life? Do you surrender the things that you say? Do you surrender the things that you think about? Or do you only, do you pick and choose the things that you surrender to God? Well, I'll tell you for me. I know it's a process for me. It's a process for me. Some things I'm really good at surrendering to them. Some things I say, I will do whatever you want. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll do it however you want me to do it. Some things I find myself saying, mm, you want this surrendered to you as well? You want me to lay this down for you as well? A life surrendered. Do you live your life surrendered to Jesus? Are there things in your life that you hang on to and saying, no, I am in charge of this it's my way in this area of my life see that's what you know <clears throat> lots of times you hear people say that jesus is our lord and savior well the reality is for a lot of people jesus is their savior but he's not necessarily their lord to make him your lord means that you've surrendered to his will. Thank God he's our Savior. Thank God Jesus went to the cross and paid a price for us that you and I could never pay. But is he our Lord? Have we laid down things in our life? Have we laid down our marriages? Have we laid down our dreams? Have we laid down, this is who I want to be and this is where I want to go? Have we laid that down or are we still walking around trying to make that happen on our own? He wants to be your Lord, not just your Savior. Because I can guarantee you this. There's not a lot of things I can guarantee you of in life. But this one thing I do know for sure. That God can work in your life and through your life to accomplish plans and purposes far better than any one of us ever could on our own accord. And so we hang on to things and try and make them come to pass by ourselves when all the, all the while he's saying, would you surrender this to me 
so that I can work in your life to accomplish the things that I've called you to do, so that I can send you to the places that I've called you to go, so that you can be the person I've called you to be. It's only through surrender that you walk through that door of his grace and mercy and begin to grow and flourish in the things that he has called you to do. Lots of times in life, there's multiple stages and doors that you have to walk through. And each stage and each door that you walk through is a new level of surrender for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You walk through the first door and you lay some stuff down and you go on with your life. And then you get to this next door and God's like, well, there's more for you on the other side of this door. But it's going to cost you laying some things down. Are you willing to walk through this door and lay those things down and surrender your plans and your purposes for your life for my plans and my purposes for your life? It's a deep thought. It's a deep question. I hope right now that it's hitting your heart like a ton of bricks. I hope the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now, asking you, poking at you, poking at your heart, saying, are you surrendered? Have you laid this down? We both know there's this one thing that I've been asking for from you, and you're hanging on to it. Are you ready to lay it down now? Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. This is the... um, This is the account of Jesus in the garden. I'm sure you could see this passage of scripture coming from a mile away. But it's particularly fitting. And I think we like to use this scripture and this portion of Jesus' life because I feel like a lot of us can really identify with the pain and the suffering that Jesus is walking through in these moments. Sometimes it's hard to identify with some of the other aspects of Jesus. It's hard to see yourself. It's hard to identify with feeding all those people. It's hard to identify with what it must have been like to raise the sick or to raise the dead or to walk in these power, these miracles. But we can all identify with excruciating pain that we've walked through in our life, can't we? We've all had pain we had to walk through. And so this portion of scripture, we're able to find ourselves in it. We're able to see ourselves in that pain as we see Jesus in this pain. And what's so great about it is we're able to look at Jesus and see how he moved through it and came through on the other side. Matthew chapter 26 is what we call the Lord's Supper. Judas has just betrayed Jesus and um, has gone out, and Jesus, in verse 36, gets up, and he goes out into the garden to go pray. And the garden is the Garden of Gethsemane. So in John, or Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove, grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter with them, and Zebedee's two sons, who were James and John, and uh, he became anguished and distressed. Jesus became anguished and distressed. Have you ever been full of agony in your life? Have you ever been distressed in your life? It's okay to put up your hand. I've got three, three up, only because I can't put four up. 
put your hand up so everybody else can see that they're not alone. Have you had ang- anxiety? Have you had angst in your life? Have you had distress in your life? Yes, we all have. The Bible says that Jesus became anguished and distressed, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further, and he bows with his face to the ground, and he prays, and this is what he prays. He says, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. God, the Bible says he falls on his face. And if you read into this, what he really, what it sounds like he was really doing was he was crawled up in a ball on his side, praying, crying out to God, saying, God, if there's any way that we cannot do this, if there's any way that we can find around what is about to happen, I don't want to go through this pain. I don't want to go through this separation from you. I don't want to go through the agony. He said, if there's any way that we can go around this, let's do that. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. Jumps up. Verse 40 says, He returns to the disciples, and he just loved those disciples. He found them asleep, and he says to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? I mean, I just told you that my soul is crushed to the point of death. I'm grieving. I've asked you to watch and pray with me, and I go off to pray, and I come back, and I find you asleep. And he says, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that, you're, that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Let's just pause right there for a moment in time on that phrase. He says, um, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Listen, if you find yourself giving in to temptation, if you find yourself falling into things in life, it's because you're not watching and praying. It's because you're not spending the time that you need to spend in his presence. He says, the spirit is willing, the spirit wants to do the right thing, but your flesh is weak. Don't give in to your flesh. If you find yourself falling over and over and over again, and you're saying, what is going on? He says, keep watch and pray. Get your Bible out. Read your Bible. Pray. Go spend time in the presence of God. He says, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Jesus goes away in verse 42, and he leaves them. And a second time, he goes and prays. And again, he says, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Goes back when he returns to them again in verse 43. He found them sleeping because they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing again. He keeps going to God, saying, God, this is interesting to me that that Jesus prayed the same prayer three times. If there's any other way, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, can we find a way around this? Can we do this differently? Is there some way that we can make this happen that I don't have to go through all of this? Can we do something else? I don't want to be separated. I don't want to become the, the, the weight of the sin on my body. I don't want to become that separation. I don't want that for me. Can we find a way around it? And clearly, he's not getting an answer because he keeps going and he keeps asking God and he's not hearing anything. He doesn't hear God say, okay, sure, yep, Jesus, you're right. You know what, uh, I've got a really big fat cow that I've been saving as a reserve, and we're going to use that instead. Don't worry about it. Go take a nap. Go sleep. Go, go lay down. He doesn't say that. He keeps coming back and praying over and over again. And he keeps ending the prayer by saying, not what I want to be done, though. This is, this is what I want, but it's not my will. 
I'm surrendering to you. He prays that three times. And then here we see, verse 45, he comes back to the disciples and he says, guys, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. Then he says this, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And I love verse 46. I love verse 46. Because verse 46 shows us without a shadow of a doubt how Jesus surrendered his life to his Father. He says this, Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. He's gone away. He's prayed over and over again saying, can we find another way? Please, let's find another way, but not my plans, not my purposes. I want your plans and your purposes to come to pass. And he keeps asking God, and it's not coming, it's not changing. He's not getting an answer from God. And then the Bible says, he comes back the third time. The boys are asleep, and he's like, well, it's too late now. Here comes the betrayer. He says, let's go do this. Let's go. He says, come on, guys. Get up, boys. Time to get up. It's time to start. It's going to happen. Your attitudes, your actions, your emotions all show who you're surrendered to. We see in this story right here, in this account right here, that Jesus didn't want to do this. He knew what he's about to go through. And he kept saying, I don't want to do this, but there's no other way. Let's do it your way. Such a powerful phrase, not my will, but yours be done. It shows that our life is not our own, like the Apostle Paul likes to say. You've been bought with a price. Your life is not your own. It's not your own. When you give your life to Jesus, it becomes his. And that means when it becomes his, it's his plans and his purposes that you should be surrendering to in you and through you. And so when God calls you to walk through situations and scenarios that are excruciatingly hard and unpleasant and unfun, you get up and do it anyways because it's what he's asking you to do. Because when you surrender your life like Jesus, your father is your master and you do what your father asks you to do. Is your life surrendered? Or is your life still your own? Are you saved? Did Jesus just save you? Or is he your Lord and Savior? We're going to take communion. And I want to take communion now because I want to remember in this chapter right here, I want to remember in those moments of Jesus' life the price that he paid. And it all stemmed from that surrendered life that he lived. You know, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He could have chose not to. But because, like he said in John chapter 5 and in John chapter 12, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. Jesus realized that he didn't really have a say in it. 
He could ask, like we just saw, he asked, like, let's find another way. But he realized at the end of the day that it wasn't really up to him. And it was his surrendered life that he willingly, the Bible says, laid down his life on the cross for us. And that was, that was a great sacrifice. And it was through a surrendered life. It was through a surrendered life that led to the gift of salvation that you and I have. Let me, let me pose this question to you. What are people waiting for through your life of surrender? Who, who in your family needs you to surrender some things so that God can work and move in their life? It's only through surrender, only through laying ourselves down that God begins to move through us. When we put ourselves down and say, not my will be done, but yours be done. God, your kingdom come and your will be done. Not my kingdom, not my will, but yours. There's people around you. There's people in your sphere of life who you do life with that I imagine are probably waiting on some areas of surrender by you. God can move through you in their life. In this same chapter, just, just before we started reading it, is where we, where we get the Lord's Supper. It's where we get communion from. And Jesus is sitting around the table with the disciples. And, and in verse 26 of this chapter, the Bible says that as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he lifted it up to heaven and he blessed it. He gave thanks for it. He spoke well of it. And then he took this piece of bread and he began to break it apart into pieces. And he, he gave some to Lee and he gave some to Pastor Blake and he gave some to Sloan and he gave some to everybody that was at the table. He broke it off, gave it to all of them. And he says this. He says, take this and eat it. For this is my body. This is a picture of my body that is broken. It's about to be broken and shred apart for you. First Corinthians says that when we take communion, we are proclaiming, we're remembering the Lord's death and what he did for us until he comes again. So we take communion to remember that through that surrendered life that Jesus led, through the sacrifice that he made, we have new life. We have eternal life. We have healing. We have health. We have wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. So let's take this bread. Father, we remember, we remember your body that was broken. We remember the surrender that you made the sacrifice that you made, that you willingly laid your life down and you went to the cross for us. 
your word says that by your stripes on the cross, the stripes that you took, the stripes that were laid upon you, the wounds that you felt, that by those stripes, we are healed. We were healed. We remember how you took the bread and you broke it apart. We remember that we're all part of your body. And we thank you, Father, for your spirit that is continuing to move through your body. Father, we thank you. Thank you for what you did on the cross for us. Let's take the little wafer here. He goes on. The Bible says that he took a cup of wine, and again he lifted it up and gave thanks for it. And he gave it to them, and he began to pass it around the table. And he said to each one of them, same cup, I want you to take a drink of this. Take a drink of this cup. It says, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Father, we thank you for your blood that you shed on the cross. Father, we thank you for your son that as he was on the cross that he bore our sins that he became sin for us. Father, we thank you that your son paid a price that we could never, ever pay. We thank you that through his blood we have a new covenant with you. A covenant that allows us to come boldly into your presence access to you, to be in your presence, to know your love, to hear your voice. Father, we thank you for your son, his work on the cross, the power of his blood that was shed for us. Let's take the juice. Stand up with me. sing a song together and as we sing this song my heart my prayer is that you would allow the spirit of God to speak to you about your life about who you are about things in your life that maybe you haven't surrendered to them. maybe things in your life that you're hanging on to you're saying not this one this one's mine. This one's in my control. This one nobody gets but me. And I'm telling you today that the power of a surrendered life to Jesus, the power of an unsurrendered life or a surrendered life to Jesus is Let him speak to you. Let's sing this song. Just let him speak to you for a minute.
Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.